0: Today's guest is Caroline Gaskin, who also featured on episode 21 of this podcast. So be sure to check that out as well. Today's topic is on heavy metals and heavy metal detoxing. And for the practitioners out there, Caroline has a great course to assist you with this, which you can find on her website, carolinegaskin.co.uk. She also has a variety of other courses available and workshops as well as cleansers. So definitely go check out her website, carolinegaskin.co.uk. Enjoy the episode.
1: Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host,
0: Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we have our lovely return guest, Caroline Gaskin (laughs) on the show. Welcome, Caroline
1: thank you so nice to be back we love chatting don't we
0: (laughs) yes and my listeners in my facebook group will know that i unfortunately lost 10 of my episodes at the end of last year but we're not we're not talking about that anymore and poor caroline's one was one of them but the universe has plans and maybe it just wanted us to have another chat so thank you for your time of coming on to get it was actually a kick-ass episode last time you shared such great information (laughs) (laughs) so i appreciate you coming on and sharing with us again now it's a very interesting topic that we're going to be talking about metal remedies and metal detoxing because that is a big thing in our society today so where do you want to start us off with what like what got you (laughs) into what got you into the metal remedies and into metal detoxing
1: oh that is a really good question I'm not sure when I first became aware of heavy metals, heavy metal detox, but it certainly formed a very interesting lecture with Robert Davidson when I did my postgraduate. So I trained at um, CPH, College of Practical Homeopathy in North London. There are two branches of that, one in North London and one in the Midlands in the UK. And I trained with Robert. So, a little bit, if I didn't share before about how I got into homeopathy through my kids, and and actually, when I look at the metal element, both me and my partner are metal in the Chinese year. So when we look at the Chinese years, each of the creatures has its own individual element. So this is Chinese astrology. And each year in the cycle has one of five elements. And my element is water. My partner is metal. And Metal is such an interesting element in itself. So that kind of grew as I began to explore the subject more is our relationship with metal and our fascination with metal. And of course, we have metal put into our bodies at a very young age. So while I got into homeopathy through my kids, I think... I often say this to mums of kids, that if you're young, when you have your first baby and you haven't done a lot of de- detox and cleansing, that baby can receive a lot of your toxicity, a lot of your ancestral stuff to clear because babies have the capacity, as we know, to clear that burn off through fevers, through simple process to clear ancestral stuff. So I can see that my my son inherited more of that metal element from us through physical metal element I'm talking about here, through things like mercury, through filling, through amalgam, and the way that we collect metal inside us, you know, as part of us in a negative way. We also use metal in a very positive way. So my first experience, I suppose, of heavy metals and looking at toxicity was on the postgraduate with Robert. So I got into homeopathy through my kids, had always been interested in natural health. Wasn't always super healthy. We <laughs> were all went, yeah, they young got ones. To, yeah, they got to kids cleaned up. But that I look at my son and I think you received more of our kind of inheritance on that negative level, as some of that was heavy metal toxicity to shift. And we'll often find with mums, to come back to that, I think firstborns of young mums often have a lot more to shift. Older mums a couple of things that go on often the firstborn is because we've spent more time getting healthy in order to have baby as long as there hasn't been a lot of IVF Mm -hmm. then that first baby is often the healthier of the children because they've had all that energy focus attention and subsequent babies can be weaker and need more support from us because there isn't so much available building material Mm -hmm. yeah so younger mums subsequent babies can be healthier as they've got healthier. It's a pattern I see in Mm -hmm. women that come into my clinic, because women that come into my clinic have made a positive choice about health. You know, women that walk through our doors have said, I want something that is healthy, that's about optimum health. So it's very interesting looking at how environmental toxicity like heavy metals passes across because it does heavy metals do cross the placental barrier Mm. how that crosses into subsequent generations and metal is you know the metal element is very much part of us so not just being an astrological metal year like my ex-partner both my ex-partners actually have been metal remedies which is interesting because or metal they've been Metal,
0: metal elements, metal
1: elements mm. in the Chinese year, but that often those metal-like qualities give rise to our metal remedies as well. Uh-huh. But metal, because I'm a water element, metal is a container. So one of the things about metal, as I began to work on delivering it as a kind of subject, is that metal gives us the capacity to make a container which is durable to carry water from one Area to another to carry wine, oil, to carry um, to carry water. You know pipes, so that we can extend the capacity of a building or a city. So we couldn't do what we do without the metal element. So when you look at what metal brings to us, it extends how we can live as humans. It ext- you know. So it's part of becoming human. But it's when it takes over and when we've got heavy metals in the system because mm. you now i'm talking a lot about it but we have a lot of metal elements within us which we need and that things like copper iron and zinc mm. are metals that we know and we need to create a healthy system we have other metal-like elements like potassium magnesium manganese etc molybdenum, selenium these are metal-like elements that we also need so we need them in a healthy way it's when we've got these heavy metals in the system like mercury, lead, arsenic is a brittle aluminium. metal. Exactly. The aluminium, cadmium, when they come into our system, then they knock these lighter, more important metals to us out of the way. And then we become heavy, leaden, sluggish, brain fog, etc. So I began to learn about that with Robert in my postgraduate. And I've realized it becomes a big thread throughout. Our practice you know and you start to see the metal element in people and it's very prevalent now
0: yeah i mean so many babies are born with such high toxicity these days anyway it's an it's all around us so it, it is there's and no we've got a chemical it. element on top of that but but mm. within
1: the chemical element you know so within pesticides for instance we might be looking at organophosphates you know mm. the phosphorus element. but when we start to break down what's in pesticides it's very much related to the metal element and so we're looking you know in environmental toxicity it would be easy to look at plastics and you know mm or we can enhance how plastics come into our body through heating them, the microwave, you know, all these things around the home. But actually the metal element, because it's, because it's inherently part of us and it's part of the way we communicate, you and I couldn't be communicating now without the metal element. It carries, it, it's conductive, it carries the human voice. Mm. So we've recorded into metal, we've put the needle onto that, celluloid originally to create sound and then we've looked at ways of preserving that sound magnetic tapes you know and i explore all that when i teach heavy metals metals because it's important to understand how subtle the metal element is in our lives it's not as blatant as some of the other things that are around if we've got metal in our body then we're more susceptible to carrying the radiation you know the we're conductive so we're conducting you know all sorts of waveform energy,
0: which isn't mm. necessarily
1: good for us when we get too much of it in our system, as we know. So we start to get. We can only get into the five G, six G conversation because of the metal element. So it's to me, it's a real, it's a really important part of our practice to see that metal element, to understand it, to know its qualities, both in the remedies in our clients and you understand when it gets out of hand and it's a heavy metal that is disordering the system
0: mm. That's interesting because, as in our training as homeopaths, we don't necessarily get taught how to detox mm. metals as such. I do mm. remember the lovely Julie Andrews once telling us when I was studying that for to detox mercury, she'd give mercury to one M and then give like a detox support remedy like mm. hydrazus and mm-hmm. phytolacca yeah. or things like that alongside to help the body process that. But that was Definitely. the extent of the metal detoxing, you know. Mm-hmm learning that i had at college and obviously i've done a lot more since then but this is a really important conversation and i think homeopaths really need to educate themselves on how we can help our clients because this conversation is not going to go away it's only going to get bigger and bigger as we get exposed to more radiation and more toxicity and the vaccine schedule keep on increasing so lots of you know heavy metals in the vaccines so this is a very important conversation that we're having today where do you feel people can where can they start like or like homeopaths Mm. and also but let's start with the homeopaths what what sort of things can homeopaths do in the clinic or what sort of things do they need to be aware of to know when they Mm. or recognize heavy metal toxicity in their clinic yeah I think
1: sometimes it comes through the words doesn't it we're listeners and so I was talking to a friend yesterday and she used the word leaden. she said I feel heavy I feel leaden," and I was like Have you she's a naturopath? And I was like, have you detoxed from lead? Have you looked at that as an element and how that comes into our system? So we do have remedies are a good place to start, and the repertories the (laughs) the best place to find out which ones relate to which metals. Mm -hmm. I've been using Robin Murphy's fourth edition, and that's got even more information, particularly on a chemical level. And I've just recently done a webinar on cancer, supporting clients with cancer strategies etc and there's a lot more in that repertory on cancers And and there is some relationship between heavy metals and cancers but really much more diverse stuff with cancers so that repertory has been helpful and if you dive into that or his third edition I must admit, I haven't used Kent much for heavy metal toxicity, but you do want a slightly more contemporary take on it when it comes to things like cadmium, which is being used much more now, for instance. Mm. So things like mercury has been in our timeline for a really, really long time. Syphilis arrived in the Bay of Naples in 1492, and it was known as French Legionnaire's disease, French Legion's disease, sorry, not Legionnaire's, but French Legion's disease initially. Because it was seen amongst the French legions and it spread across Europe really, really quickly. And it took a while to realize it was sexually transmitted because even the popes got syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> so, and once it kind of, and we suppressed it with mercury for mm-hmm. years and years and years. And when you look at the ways in which that was done and how much mercury was used and became part of us, and mercury is a toxic metal to us. So, there's lots of symptoms associated with that. And so I would say, know your symptoms associated with heavy metal poisoning and then look at the repertory. And there's individualized, I don't think there's a rubric heavy metal poisoning, but there is mercury poisoning mm. ailments from and aluminium and cadmium, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so I would use the newer repertories to get to some of those. And then learning so, what are the symptoms that we would see in our clients mm-hmm. from heavy metal poisoning? Where do heavy metals occur in the environment? And a really lovely little story is of a guy who came to see me and it was one of those really simple cases. <laughs> it doesn't happen every day. And he walked in and he'd been working with... Fixing TV monitors and computer monitors and basically been working with solder and lead solder, of course. Mm. So he'd been working with lead, he'd been working with little bits and pieces of warmed up metals for a long time. And he worked, at, I think, at a kind of big table somehow with other guys. You know, they all worked in the same space, fixing things, mending things. And he came to see me because he had headaches. And I was like, oh, these headaches are new. When did they start? What happened? Did you change your diet? he'd been in this job for ages and someone had come into work, a new guy, and he plonked a big coffee percolator in the middle of the table and the guy had start started drinking coffee every day. and That's what was giving him a headache, but it was kind of straw that broke the camel's back of years and years of having this in his system. So he had another case years ago of a guy with skin complaints who'd been a chroma. And he'd worked in a chroming and smelting works mm. for a long time. So sometimes it's our job. Sometimes mm. it's proximity to things like incinerators, hospital incinerators and crema- crematorium incinerators mm. in the UK only had to have filters on them in, I think it was 2005. Mm. So if you're living wow. right next to that, you'd be sprinkled with all that metal that's in our bodies as mm. we've been cremated a bit grim but that is a source of heavy metal toxicity obviously lead in fuel perhaps builders painters people who are mm. removing lead so what the environment someone's working in quarters mm. who are using lead glazes there are ways in which we still use these things on it in an everyday way so as always just like Heinemann occupation symptoms and then going to the repertory and looking at differentiating big remedies, like you said, hepa is one I throw in there as well, Vitalacra, um, Sarsaparilla, you know, these old mm. school remedies have been around often for a long time because heavy metal poisoning has been around since mm. we've been putting mercury into our bodies. And we didn't take... Mercury out of vaccine of vaccines of drugs still in vaccines unfortunately and that's we'll just differentiate actually for the certainly for the UK I can differentiate on that and they're pretty much produced by worldwide but we'll I'll come back to that in a minute but we didn't take mercury out of drugs until the 1930s mm-hmm. certainly till 1910 we were using mercury and arsenic based preparations a lot and mercury was still in quite a lot of medication until the thirties and then antibiotics begin to take over we begin to vaccinate people obviously from sort of early in the 20th century so we're starting to put metal into our bodies in a different way Mm. so medication early 20th century and then we continued putting it into our bodies through the vaccine program and that is mainly mercury and aluminium and then with mercury in the uk We've begun to look at it in childhood vaccines. But if you go for, I don't really know what's in the COVID vaccines. Yeah, I'd I'm have to sure kind of go back and have a look because I don't mm. think we have all the product details for all of them. Mm. But certainly if you go for travel vaccines or you go for other adult vaccines, mm. um, not sure about some of the teenage things like HPV then you will have mercury, ethyl mercury in those. So the quality of heavy metals in the system varies as well. So if you had an environmental mercury toxicity, it is slightly different in the way that it affects the tissue to ethyl mercury in the vaccines. So when you've got that client in front of you, how compromised is their liver? And more especially, how compromised are their kidneys? because the liver is the main organ dealing with toxicity. So it's recycling all that all that nasty metal, doesn't mm. really know what to do with it. It squirts it out through the gallbladder, excretes through the gallbladder. And then behind most gallstones and gallbladder pathology is heavy metal toxicity. Mm. The body doesn't really excrete it efficiently. We need what are called chelators to get it out of the system. So it tends to circulate in the system. And when it's done that for long enough, it will start to affect other filters like the kidneys. Mm. And once it's affected the kidneys, you've got a very fragile patient. So that's actually where homeopathy is amazing because it can start the work. And also I would include flower essences in there as well. I like purifying essence in the Australian bushflower mm. range for that. So homeopathy can be a great first port of call, but you need an active chelator, like mm. blue-green algae, crack cell chlorella to really draw it out of the system and we'll see we can sort of talk more about that. but yeah, those would be the my main things. know your symptoms, mm. know your remedies associated with that and know the causations. Where does heavy metal come from for your client who's sitting in front of you?
0: Yeah, I actually see a bit of that over here because in Western Australia, we have quite a few mines and because my clients are from all over, some of them live Mm -hmm. in in the towns and Mm -hmm. are exposed to all sorts of things from the mines and apparently there's testing done, but you kind of wonder to what sort of level. And if you're exposed to that 24 seven, it really does make a difference. Actually, one of my clients, I recently got her to put a glass of water outside for 24 hours and just collect some of the dust because if the wind comes in a certain direction, it blows some of the dust from the mines over the town mm-hmm. and she then succussed that up to a 30c and she because she had severe allergies and none of what I was giving her was working and I was like look just try this and she used that she she's in her 60s and new to homeopathy and extremely skeptical she did it obviously not expecting it to work at all but yeah three weeks later all her allergy symptoms was gone and she called me she's like wow, Eugenia, I cannot amazing. believe this so yeah I even <laughs> I was like are you sure are you sure it's better really really did it really work <laughs> like even I couldn't believe it but yeah, despite like, that's really, amazing. Yeah, Love like, it. Yeah. Really as homeopaths digging into going back into a person's work history, like what sort of jobs have they had? Where could they have picked up this exposure? Asking about mm. some metal fillings and, if, certainly, if you're seeing a child asking about the mother's toxic load and what sort of medication yeah. she's been on or what she's been exposed to, what jobs she's had, what jobs the dad has had, because if it's a baby and the dad has a job that he's working at an engineering shop or something like that, where he's exposed to a lot of metals and mm. things, that it's definitely, for our, as homeopaths, that we take that into consideration without questioning. I know you were very onto it and you said you're doing a cleanse at the moment, which is pretty hardcore considering you're still in the heart of winter <laughs> over in the UK, right? Very much. Yeah. It was really cold yesterday. I don't know what it is today. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm with like 37 yeah. degrees or something here today. Like I kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of detox. So obviously you're going to need a bit more than just homeopathy. Yeah. I'll just kind of pipe yeah. up and say that I recently did a, like a Ton Janssen type detox for myself using the polymetals remedy. It was really yes. interesting. And I felt nauseous after the first, like every time I went up a potency, especially on 30C and 200C, not so much for the higher ones, but I felt so nauseous after each remedy. Mm-hmm. So clearly each potency, my body was clearly getting rid of something there was clearly something there that has to be healed which is fair enough because i did do still have a couple of tiny amalgam fillings it really would be a good idea to use other things alongside right not just the homeopathy what sort of suggestions do you have for people or practitioners to recommend to their clients alongside the homeopathics yeah when it comes to looking at things like
1: growing your practice, what do you do beyond college? You know, one of the first things I did, and I, I may have shared this previously, but I had three mums come in, all with eczema babies, one after the other, each seeing me for an hour. And I pretty much said the same thing to all of them. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I was it in the time of email. I can't remember when email arrived, but yeah, I wasn't writing emails in those days. Must have been. But I wrote a document of tips like what to do for baby Hmm. and really I began to grow from an early age, partly because of my own interest and because I saw that people needed it, that these mm-hmm. babies, all with skin things, probably need, had a bit of heavy metal toxicity, actually. Could have come from vaccines, could have come from their parents. As I say, it crosses the placenta. But they all needed pretty much the same thing, a bit of essential fatty acids and probiotics to look at the products that they were using on their skin, to maybe put some salts in the bath. So I start with quite a lot of naturopathic stuff, and mm-hmm. that's partly, Robert was great on that actually as a teacher and I've always had that interest even before homeopathy specifically came to me so when I said that health interest was there I'd be reading herbal books and learning some of those old naturopathic practices and had eczema myself actually so one of the things that I teach first is looking at elimination how efficient is the body at eliminating and it's not very efficient at eliminating heavy metals but we still need to encourage the body to eliminate efficiently And so I love things like skin brushing. So dry skin brushing with a natural bristle brush. I teach that, show people how to do that. I work a lot with menopause, as you know, and uh, hormonal change. And one of the first things I say is, if you want to clear brain fog, and brain fog is a big symptom of heavy metals. So is it that that's coming up at menopause? And people aren't necessarily looking in that direction. They're like, oh, this is a symptom that goes with, yes, it is a symptom that goes with low progesterone. But why do we have low progesterone? Mm. You know, we have low progesterone, our blood sugar's disordered. Why is the blood sugar disordered? We get down to what is liver function at menopause? And then it's like, oh, that skin brushing is gonna help. It helps the lymph move toxicity from the body. So skin brushing, things like hot and cold shower afterwards, definitely increasing essential fatty acids so that the liver has the capacity to function better presumably we're meant to hibernate in the winter right now (laughs) and if you look at the bigger fauna that survived or tried to survive the last ice age you look at what the liver does as as we move further north for instance as we move into colder climate what the liver does is it slows down its action and as we hibernate we literally slow down the action of the organs if we're going to be active in a colder climate then we need more essential fatty acids and that's without even looking at all the things that knock our capacity to process essential fatty acids properly. So in order for liver to function, essential fatty acids should be part of our diet. And I was listening to a really good talk, actually, not long ago, just a few hours ago, with Dr. Asim Mahotra. really worth listening to, and I'm about to share that and it was a talk for the association for naturopathic practitioners Mm. and it was talking about the importance of you know he didn't it wasn't his only topic because he's a medical doctor he's a cardiologist and he was but he was starting to talk about the importance of diet and lifestyle and recognize some of the things that we talk about all of the time Mm. but it was great to hear that we are supposed to slow down and we don't and Therefore, we need to look after organs in a different way. Mm. And so teaching your clients good foods for the liver, foods that are bad for the liver. And one of the things that he said was that something like most people's diet is 74%, I think was his stat, processed food. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) I was like processed food for me is like virtually zero and it's taken many years to get to that point and I feel great as a result and I do cleanse a couple of times a year to to just tune up. But this is not how most people feel when they're 60. Most people are on a cocktail of medication which is driving them into the ground. So these simple practices to feel better, to clear the brain, learning how to dry skin brush, so with that's a natural bristle brush before a shower, whole body Mm. towards the direction of the heart just little tips like that I think are really important for clients so those are three things really hydrotherapy is hot and cold showers Mm. that is stimulating circulatory system so skin brushing hot and cold showers essential fatty acids Mm. good and bad foods for the liver understanding the effect of alcohol, maybe moving over to better quality alcohol, less of it (laughs) and a natural wine, you know, let's get, let's get some of those things. (laughs) Exactly. So it's little things, you know, Mm. exactly. And it's like Rome wasn't built in a day. I say that to clients so often, just do this, start with this, we'll put in the homeopathy. We're encouraging the whole system to Mm. move towards optimum health and heavy metals. Yeah. If they're stuck in your system, in his teeth, do it slowly. Mm-hmm. Definitely do it slowly. Don't go to a dentist who doesn't know what they're doing. And I cannot say that strong enough. Yeah. Do not go and get the whole lot taken out all in one go by a bog standard dentist. You really the only person I've ever met. He's not alive anymore, but beautiful man Hesham Elsawi. And he would spend, he used bioresonance, which actually I wanted to mention today. I'll come on to that in a minute. But he used bioresonance in his practice. He had a Vega program and he would test every single dental material and he would choose the ones for his clients that was the least problematic in the system. I was like such care and attention. And he had herbs. He'd get a girl in to come do juicing on a Friday for his clients. I was like, it's just off the scale. Such a lovely man, so much heart. He oh. didn't look after himself, unfortunately. So he <laughs> I think that's lost. the case with a lot of viewers, I know. Healers,
0: hey? <laughs> I know. Oh,
1: so sad. But yeah, building a strategy mm. and taking it slowly, I think, mm. is fundamental if someone really has got a lot of amalgam in their mouth. And that is the hardest thing. If they haven't, you'll get them much quicker. Mm. Still using the same things, but you'll get them much quicker. And when we do this cleanse, we use the Crack Cell gorilla, which is quite a strong chelator. Mm. And I've had people do this particular cleanse that I work with. There's one woman who'd done a lot of detox, a lot of heavy metal detox. And she said, wow, I've still got stuff to shift. One other source I didn't mention, which we should, is fish. So you do get people who eat a lot of sushi and need to do a heavy metal detox every so often. <laughs> mm, interesting.
0: Yeah. And yeah. have you got particular testing methods that you prefer for heavy metals? Because I know there's debate out mm, there about whether it. you should do hair mineral analysis or like what sort of testing you do. Have you got a preferred company or preferred method that you recommend? Yeah, preferred
1: company, no. I do like heavy metal, uh, the hair mineral analysis test. We've got a few companies in the UK, a lot of them send off to the States to actually get their results and then we get them back. You're really looking for a company, ask them what their printout is like. So you're looking for a company where you as a practitioner can understand the printout. (laughs) So see if they'll send you a sample. You know, Mm -hmm. say you want to engage in working with them. And the other thing I'm really keen on is having second or even multiple income streams Mm -hmm. so as a practitioner because that face-to-face work is very adrenal it can be very tiring for us to always be in that one-to-one what I call frontline homeopathy Mm -hmm. frontline homeopathy is your client coming into your space so ask about an affiliate program Is there a way in which you engage with that company and get a kickback for sending your client to them for the test? So even that little kind of drips in, it's important. That's a relationship with that company. When you do tests, though, when you work with these testing companies, you do need to keep an eye on how they are running their company. Mm. So I've worked with three or four now, not just For blood tests as well, but hair miller analysis and blood tests, where they've then changed their strategy and they start to do offers on their website. And you're like, gosh, this is competing with what you're offering me as a practitioner. And my clients just Mm. going to the website and buying straight from you. So do look at how the company operates and whether that scheme is genuinely rewarding for you. But yeah, Mm. hair miller analysis tests are good, but you just need to be able to understand the results. And then What happens as you, if you're using that as a tool and you Mm. start to detox from heavy metals is the relationship between the good metals Mm. that we do need goes up and the good elements that we need goes up and down. The other thing that I should mention actually as part of strategy, which is really important, is getting magnesium back into your clients' lives because magnesium we use and lose under stress Mm. and magnesium helps us draw up. Certainly calcium, potassium, phosphorus has a relationship with the other metal-like elements that we need. Mm. Uh, Obviously, calcium is a mineral, but magnesium, potassium, phosphorus are metal-like. And getting magnesium in is fundamental because we use it and lose it so Mm. easily. Stress, tea, coffee, alcohol, sugar, basically Western lifestyle. So that would be the other Part of that strategy. Have you have you got a
0: preferred method for magnesium? Like, do you recommend baths or supplements or yeah. foods or Love all an of Epsom the above? Salt bath. <laughs> yeah, all of the above.
1: Epsom salt bath is great. If you're doing Epsom salt baths, you want to be using a kilo a week. So mm-hmm. find a good supplier. Kilo is a lot more than most people are using. A lot of people just sort of put a tablespoon in yeah. the bath. No, no. I haven't <laughs>
0: heard of the kilo. So, like a whole kilo yeah. in a bath in one a go whole or kilo. just spread out yeah. over time. Spread out over
1: the week. Okay. Yeah. So you could do a kilo all in one go and have a bath once a week. That's fine. Twenty minutes is good. I learned that from Barbara Wren, who's a 70 year old naturopath who's been in the business for 40 years. Wow. So so I'm gonna take her word for it. We need to do And then after
0: that, to wait for the bath water to cool down and then scoop it out and put it on your garden because your plants love that. Oh, great. I, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. I love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we need
1: need to learn to recycle our water in much more effective ways. Our grey water on the garden would be great. All our flakes of skin as well are really good for the garden. We're putting ourselves... Back into the soil. Well, now that we divorced ourselves from that relationship. I
0: know. Well, actually, I've started, I've just recently put this new plant in the bathroom. And a friend of mine recently told me that she used it. Well, I've used a menstrual cup for like five years now. It's great. I wish I knew about it. Oh, my God. I wish I knew about it. They are the best. But she actually pours the menstrual blood into a jug of water and then puts that on her plants. And this plant of hers that was almost dying is now thriving. And also, of course, your hair clippings, you know, it's got lots of nitrogen for the Oh garden. my god! So I yeah, love it. <laughs> cool, eh? Hey? So I've got this plant in the bathroom now. I'm like, hmm, I'm going to try this with you. <laughs> I haven't tried it yet, but my friend swears by it. So that
1: is amazing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, hmm. I do, well, I do. When the last time I did, I do a workshop called Balancing Your Hormones. And the last time I did that, I got a friend on who has a cup called the Libby Cup. And I said, I want you to talk about the menstrual cup because, you know, my periods have stopped and mm. and kind of vaguely knew about it or I'd heard about it, but I had no idea and I'm learning about it. Oh my goodness. Have you had if, anyone on talking if, about it? No,
0: I haven't, or, but I think I yeah. should, or I should just talk about it. Like, yeah. I just, I think it's the best thing ever. I could, yeah. I, I I think every young girl should be given it right from the start for one. We'll be saving yeah. so Not much on, in the landfill. Yes. So much, you get so much better in tune with your body. I know we're going Mm -hmm. off track, but I know you and I both love talking about hormones and the (laughs) the woman and the female cycle. So, you know, we could start a whole other episode on that. So you are an amazing lecturer, Caroline. I've done some of your courses through CHE. I love listening to you. You have got a whole bunch of courses that people can do through you personally as well, right? As well as the ones that you have. Yeah, Yeah. So how can people learn more about heavy metal detoxing through yourself? And is it just for practitioners or for clients as well?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I'm going to make a note about heavy metal toxicity for clients because I have a masterclass, which originally was a three-part masterclass. It was so interesting. When I was first writing that, I was like, right, it's two-part, you know, two lots of two hours, two-part masterclass. And I had so much to deliver in this. I just like, I felt really pressurized. And it's all that all ties in with the metal like ah. qualities and elements which is very interesting so at first so first off we might put that in the show notes actually mm. there is a free or well, an online youtube i think it's an hour long talk about heavy metals so i did a freebie kind of introduction to the masterclasses then i did these three masterclasses in the end but i remember waking up on the morning i was meant to record it and i just went because originally i was i recorded them with um c-h-e Mm. but they didn't get released because of the pandemic so suddenly that came along it's very interesting so there's a lot of interesting stuff that was going on in the background but I woke up that morning to record it and I said look I'm really sorry but this isn't two masterclasses this is three because there's so much to deliver so when I delivered stuff live I've then done a little bit of editing and put it out as a video workshop or or Masterclass, depending on its length, really. And that one is quite long. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favourites because I just love the topic so much. And I love looking at, when we look at metal-like elements, you know, it overextends us. So I was feeling overextended, you know, and I was feeling a bit compressed, you know, and that was interesting. So, um, yeah, I started to say earlier about the metal element and how I'm a water sign in the Chinese Mm. year. And so metal... Is quite useful to contain my energy. So I have quite a lot of metal friends, have metal partners. I've had, and that's been quite interesting because obviously sometimes that containment can be too much. So there is this expand, contract element or characteristic of metal, which is an interesting thread. So uh, yeah, I, I love doing that one. And I really got into looking at the metal remedies. And the metal down the ages was part of it as well, because we are so interesting looking at metal down the ages because Britain has got the word tin in it. Britannica is is named because of the tin that we had. And then Cyprus, cuprum, is named because of the copper element. And so the Phoenicians they were great traders and they traded the tin and the copper and when you put tin and copper together you get bronze and bronze is stronger than the other metal elements that we had at the time so bronze became a container we could carry water from one place to the other we could begin to build we began to add value to the metal so i began to kind of explore all that and talk about it in the masterclass. and of course that then leads to stronger metals like iron and the capacity to defend and extend, you know, and protect. Mm. So all those kind of lovely, delicious things, I think, about metals are in that. So, yeah, but I'd like to do a heavy metals workshop for... It's not that clients can't go to that space, because mm. certainly they could, but it's a lot of in-depth stuff. Talk about big episodes of metal poisoning as well. Mm. Like Minumata in Japan, that's where we learn about a lot of the heavy metal poisoning characteristics or symptoms was from studying it's tragically heavy metal poisoning episodes so yeah
0: <laughs> and so people can get that through your website if they wanted to purchase the course yeah
1: on my website i list all the workshops and then a masterclasses that i've already done and yeah i'm always up for brewing new ones so
0: <laughs> and just caroline
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Thank you. So yeah. is there any final message that you want to leave our listeners with?
1: Just to be excited about this amazing field that we're working in. And I think listening to Dr. Seem Mohotra's a YouTube talk, and seeing that we are moving towards, you know, he was doing that talk for the Association of Naturopathic Practitioners. He's one of the leading cardiologists. We're moving towards an integrated Mm. truly holistic health program we've got functional medicine doctors now we didn't have those when i first started practicing i don't think they were invented homeopathy mm-hmm. has been around for a long time so stay tuned stay attuned stick together and mm. grow this and i was just thinking actually one thing that's really come to me recently is when i first started practicing so i've been in practice for 22 years 23 this year and there's can be a lot of division In homeopathy oh you're not you're that kind of homeopath you're this kind of homeopath and what i've noticed through platforms like this through homeopathy hangout through social media and literally this has come in the last six months you and i just were chatting a little bit before the show and we were talking about instagram so much more connection Mm. when i first started using instagram as a platform for my work homeopathy had a thousand or under a thousand mentions Mm. go and look at homeopathy hashtags now put in the word homeopathy homeopathic medicine homeopathy helps homeopathy rocks is one of my favorite (laughs) hashtags i don't know where that came from but it's got thousands so there is this much warmer feel and it's mm. coming through social media. And I love that. There's much less division on the platforms and the Facebook groups. And I think that is really, really heartening. I think it's come through, through COVID, sticking together. And the fact that Mahatra was speaking to naturopathic practitioners, mm. I'm like, that is just music to my ears. You know, I've been working towards this integrated approach. How amazing would it be to have homeopathy in the emergency room? Again, that's my goal.
0: (laughs) to be there, get it back there again. Well, I mean, it is there in certain countries in the world, but yeah, getting that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're just echoing a previous conversation I had today as well, is that it's it definitely feels like it's Mm. heading that way and it doesn't feel like it's far away at all. It feels like it's very much just around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's just just because I'm in my own little echo chamber of um, you know, my own little fairyland, my own little bubble. But I certainly feel and believe that that's just around the corner and it's needed, it's desperately needed so Yeah, yeah. Well, it was lovely to chat with you again, Caroline. Uh, oh, thank I'm you. I'm sure we will so chat much. again very soon. And yeah, thank you for your time today.
1: Oh, thank you.